So he, he's, he's got this tremendous, tremendously successful run as governor, becomes prominent on the national political scene, and runs for president, gets nominated. And he's in this election, and he's got the New York Yankees behind him and Babe Ruth, you know, on this train ride home from the World Series. I said this over to the kids, and, you know, just a fascinating story of the Babe campaigning for him on this train ride, and, and yet he gets crushed in the election. And, and I, I saw somewhere where it was, they talk about the three Ps, prosperity, prejudice, and prohibition that did him in. Is, is, is that your assessment? Is, is that? No, no, it really isn't. Um, good, good. Uh, the election, more than anything, was about prejudice. Uh, now, that includes a whole stepladder full of uh, varieties. Foremost was the anti-Catholic vote. Um, I, I cannot underestimate how strong the anti-Catholic vote was. Um, they took pictures, actually pictures, I forget if it was Lincoln or the Holland Tunnel between New York and New Jersey, and they said, and they, and they actually circulated this, and the caption was, this is the secret tunnel being built right now between Rome and Washington, which, by the way, we just recently, a few years ago, built the, the channel, you know, between just the English Channel, let alone across the Atlantic Ocean. Okay, be that aside, in 1928, this is the secret tunnel being built right now between Rome, secret between Rome and Washington to bring the Pope over. Because you know that if a Catholic gets elected, the Pope's going to run the country. The Pope's just going to, you just know the Pope's going to run the country. Um, the leading political cartoon, it was on sticky paper, where you'd, you'd lick it and you'd paste it up, was, it was a cabinet meeting. Al Smith is elected president. You get the cabinet room and you can see the, the Washington Monument sticking up through the window. And the head of the table is the And it's all priests and monsignors around there. And um, Al is off in the corner in a bellboy's outfit, serving them, and he's carrying a jug of whiskey. Incredibly demeaning things. Um, uh, Francis Perkins was in Maryland. Maryland's the, the original Catholic colony of the 13th. And she said, I've never seen anything like this. It was like poison gas had come over us. It was just horrible. Now, the problem was Al played into just every paranoia, prejudicial view you could. First of all, he was Catholic. Secondly, okay, let's rank him. Secondly, after that, he was a winner of prohibition. That was very powerful. Um, one historian says that that was really the issue. I don't agree with that. She actually argues that FDR in 32 should have run on an anti-prohibition plank instead of running on ending the Great Depression, which I think is madness. Um, but it, it, and also keep in mind, it, it, in 28 by 33, it's going to be repealed. So the repeal element was building, but that's also very powerful. He was definitely a wet. He was definitely a drinker. There's no question about it. Um, and that was a major issue. Um, but, but you can go down the list. Um, he was of immigrant background. We know from our own era just how potent that is. Um, he identified himself. His father was actually um, German Italian, but his mother raised him, so he definitely identified himself as Irish. But he was definitely uh, a um, uh, from immigrant background. Do you want an immigrant president? That's not an American. 
Um, and in addition, and again, I don't want to underestimate this, he was a New Yorker. Um, New York, anti-New York prejudice is, is just widespread. It's the, it's the biggest city. It's also the most provocative. Everybody knows New York and you have strong, I don't know anybody who goes to New York. Eh. I mean, either you love it or you hate it, but there's no in between. And he was a New Yorker and that was another issue. And he, again, he personified, he had an incredibly thick accent. And remember, when he's coming over to the radio, he's going, uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you here on the radio. That's how you pronounce it, the radio. And I want to talk about white. And, you know, that wasn't going over in Nebraska. That wasn't going over. Now, I'll tell you a story from my own experience. This is about uh, 15 years ago. Um, I was working on a book on a biography of an Air Force general. And the Air Force Historical Archives are in Montgomery, Alabama. So I go down. Okay. Um, so I, I went to some of the civil rights sites as well. I took some pictures. Now, this is before, this is when you still had cameras. Okay. So I don't want to take the, the film, uh, you know, undeveloped on the plane through the x-ray machine. So I take it to a local camera shop to get developed and print made. So, okay. I go to pick it up. And there's a nice lady behind the counter, and she's clearly local. She's got an accent you can cut with an Alabama accent. Okay, fine. So, minute I open my mouth, like, you know, how much is this? Uh, I ain't local. <laughs> Just right away. That's real clear. She says, where y'all from? So, I go, damn, th- this is going to be bad. Uh, I'm going to be from two worst places. Now, I'm in California, land of fruits and nuts, and I'm originally from New York. Well, what am I going to do? I'm not going to lie to the lady. You know, I'm not going to see her again. So I said, well, now I'm from California. And she surprised me. She said, you know, that's the place I always wanted to visit. And I said, but I'm originally from New York. And she went and I quote, oh, Lordy. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's 15 years ago. Um, so Smith and Smith, as I say, with that accent, I mean, he was like a stereotype. He personified New York. Now, uh, we also need to talk about the other side of the coin, which is the effect on him. Smith was fabulous in New York. He had absolutely no sense of what the rest of the country was like. He, he loved his neighborhood. For him, a big trip to the wilderness was going north of 14th Street. Okay. Um, so, you know, going across the Hudson River was like a trip to the moon. He had no idea what he was getting into. And he runs into this buzz of hate, and he becomes a very bitter old man, although he comes out of it towards the end. Um, just a, a notion. I did my grad work at Northwestern Chicago, and my mother would send me care packages, grad students, standard stuff. And, okay, some of the stuff she sent me was uh, delicacies that you really could get only in New York. Used chocolate syrup, for example. Um, but she sent me, like, toothpaste or, you know, weedy cereal. And, and I'd say, why? She said, well, you know, you're all the way out there. What if the stores don't open? It was like, you know, what, what if uh, the Hudson River freezes over and the wagon train doesn't get through? It was like... You know, Mom, I'm in Chicago. I'm in the second biggest city in the country at the time. Yeah, but it's out. Um, so, so that was Al. An incredibly wonderful guy, but a parochial New Yorker. And he runs just into a buzz of hate. And nothing in his background prepared him for that. 
nothing. So, so, so he, he has this tremendous political talent, yet it sounds like he has this element of what, naivete about him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, that's just, it sounds so incongruent. I mean, someone who was deeply entrenched in the, in the politics and then goes out and, you know, goes out to the big and just miscalates it. Just, it just wasn't in his mindset. It was just alien. I, well, a couple of things. First of all, um, you know, what did he know about the rest of the country? He had, re- he had read and he swore by the Declaration and the Constitution. Um, you know, I tracked down his textbooks. They're all, I mean, I really did work on this. They're all, you know, bravo about an America sort of thing, very uh, nostalgic. Um, he went to the Buffalo Bill Cody Wild West show. Um, and, and no, I, I, yeah, he, 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 naivete is exactly the right word. Um, but that's so New York. Um, just, and my mother was like that. A lot of New Yorkers I know are like that. It just New York is such an all-encompassing environment that you get a lot of people in New York. Um, he was masterful in his environment. Once he went outside that, he was a babe in the woods. Um, and, you know, look at the staff people he hired. They're all people who um, are, are New York East Coast. There's nobody there to say, Al, I've lived in Nebraska. I've lived in Kansas. That's not going to work. You need to do this instead. Um, and New Yorkers are notorious and famous for their insularity. Um, and it was true then. It was true now. So I, I don't find it. It didn't work, clearly, right. but I right. don't find that unusual. I don't find that unusual. So how, how do you compare that to he, he, um, you know, he, he develops a relationship with um, Franklin Roosevelt? And sounds from the book, it, it appears that perhaps he sees himself as a mentor, maybe underestimates the talent of FDR. FDR becomes governor. He gets insulted. He's not brought. But the, here's FDR, a patrician and a New Yorker, and he goes out and he, you know, becomes FDR. I mean, you know, it's, it's just, you know, it's, you know, to find a book on FDR is not so hard. I mean, there's thousands of them, you know. How do you compare? Like, what was that relationship about? And how would you compare the two? This is one of the, the ugliest and saddest episodes in Al's life. Now, first of all, he, he okay, he looked at FDR as a child, um, as a pretty boy. First of all, he hadn't come up through, the, Al really had come up through the ranks the hard way. He worked his way up. It was a remarkable American success story. FDR is now, um, as far as Al was concerned, FDR was a dilettante. Um, you know, a, a pretty boy, a good face, you know, and he was fond of him. I think he truly, truly liked him. He didn't take, um, he didn't take him seriously because he was a pretty boy. Um, keep in mind at Harvard, you know what FDR's nickname was? They said the FD stood for feather duster. He, he was a lightweight. I, everybody thought that. Um, people didn't realize till later, in my opinion, one of the things that changed FDR that, that brought him out was the polio. Um, I, I, he conquered that with remarkable, I mean, you got to read the, the willpower, the, the quote from Eleanor Roosevelt that he just said, I'm going to do this. Just this became, he became the FDR with the polio, uh, with polio. Um, and nobody saw that. Furthermore to Al, and this is very, very old fashioned, but this is Al's generation. FDR was less than a full man. 
He didn't walk. He was crippled, to use the term back then. It's an ugly term, but he wasn't a full man. Um, how could he hold up? You know, Al put in incredible hours of governor. How could this guy, who was a pretty boy to begin with, who is now, who we would now call disabled, um, how could you assume he was going to be even governor? That That's a joke. Well, okay. I think he was really fond of him. There's, there's a passage of letters that I quote from where he's incredibly demeaning. Um, FDR is objecting to something. To, Bob Moses is encroaching on his territory in a really nasty way. And he's a, FDR writes an objection. And Al writes this incredibly demeaning letter as you would to a child. You know, this is stuff you don't know about and you don't have a right to talk about. Um, yeah, he, the line I quote, when I was a young man and um, I would, uh, let's just say, get ahead of myself. Uh, my father would say, you still got milk on your lips. Okay. Right? That was his way of saying, you're not quite a hot shot as you think you are. Uh, that, that was the feeling I got from the letter. I quote that line in, in the book. Um, well, FDR then goes on to, as you say, become FDR. So here's Al. After 1928, he's incredibly bitter. Uh, that I mean, in, in some ways justifiable. He was rejected in the worst possible way. I mean, an honest loss is one thing. He actually, by the way, even New York State voted for Hoover against him, which, which just crushed him. Um, so he, he was rejected in this horrible way. And instead, they turned to this little pretty boy, and he becomes the great hero of the Depression. That becomes the symbol of the fecklessness of the American people, that they would reject him, the real McCoy, for this glamour boy, um, was just the ultimate symbol, and he turns horribly. I mean, in 36, he gives a speech where he basically says the New Deal is this communist conspiracy. It's this horrible speech, although in the very end, they get back together. Um, he really was very fond of FDR, but in, in uh, seeing him as a lesser soul. So it's a complex story. It's not a pretty story. Right. It's, it's very interesting. Um, what kind of a relationship did, did Smith, did Al Smith have um, with the American Jewish community? I think I, had, uh, when we had responded, I had to send you the information on, um, on Professor Berenson's book on the blood libel in Messina, yeah. and we interviewed him, and he certainly, I mean, you know, he painted Al Smith as the hero of that story, that he was absolutely phenomenal, stood up against everybody, and demanded justice. What kind of relationship did he have with the Jews? And where did that come from? Well, okay. First of all, in the answer you're talking, he had a fundamental sense of decency. I mean, he really wasn't, you know, the other part of the naivety, he really was that decent a person. He saw, this was just wrong. Um, you, you don't truck with things that are just wrong. Um, he really was a remarkably honest, decent fellow. Um, I don't think he had much outreach to the national Jewish community within his New York sphere. Um, his problems with the Jewish community. First of all, his three top advisors are all Jewish. And Tammany, there's a song Tammany had that was very nasty. Um, because it, it was um, uh, uh, Bell Moskowitz, uh, Joseph Proscaro was his eminent screes, and Robert Moses. And, you know, Tammany has this song about Mosky and Prosky and Moses. That, that's very, very nasty because the Irish couldn't stand that fact. He was 
he was very comfortable around Jews. Um, he just, and I think it comes from the East Side background of that's incredibly diverse area. He grew up not, he wasn't a hater. Okay. And he grew up around all kinds of different people. And, um, these were people who helped him. Um, these were his key allies and aides. Um, I think he, he just had absolutely no problem with the Jewish community. And if he saw they were being mistreated, he would deal with that forcefully. Um, he, he just, he was not prejudiced at all, um, which in that day and age is saying quite a bit. Wow. I mean, just, you know, you know, we talk about the what ifs of history. You know, you win the 28 election, you get reelected in 32. So now you're president during the rise of Adolf Hitler. And you're Al Smith, and it's just you know, you know, where 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 does history go under that kind of area? Um, yeah. What 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 is the legacy of Al Smith from the perspective of 2021? I mean, you know, it, you know, why is it such a figure still resonate? I mean, you know, I just found the book so interesting. Something or something that that touched me. Um, what is it? What's the legacy? Um, you know, like you- well, I, I think there's two questions here. I mean, first of all, he's a really interesting, likable guy. So, you know, with touches is, you know, Al really is like that. Um, the legacy of Al is several things. One is that there are many kinds of prejudice and they're all bad and they're all wrong. Um, what happened to him was a, a, a dark mark in American history, in my opinion. Um, and that we have to stand up against that. Um, and, and that the, the, there are politicians who are decent, who really were good at what they did. Right now, politician is a dirty word. And, and I disagree with that. There are good politicians and bad politicians, just like there are good professors and bad professors. Um, and, and, and Al Smith was a good politician. He was good at it. He helped the people of New York. He used his power to do that. Um, so there's two parts to his legacy. One is his ugly defeat and, and the power of prejudice and the range of prejudice in America that has to be dealt with. It has to be guarded against. The other is his role as a politician. Um, really helped the people of New York. He used his um, governorship for the good of the people. He wasn't a saint. He made mistakes. We all do. Um, If I can give you an example from FDR. Um, In the 1920s, Congress votes a bonus for um, uh, for, uh, world. They they say World War I, there was great prosperity and wage increases during the First World War. Vets couldn't get that. So they want to it's a big voting block. So Congress wants to truck favor with them. So they pass. They say, we're going to give you a bonus, which ironically, the bonus for World War I vets was due in 1945 when the Second World War would be up, but nobody knew that then. Okay. So, okay. Depression hits. And these guys, they're losing their jobs, their farms, their businesses. They say, you know, we won't get a fraction of the money, but whatever it is, we need it now. Hoover says no. Okay. So they march on it. It's a disaster. MacArthur, head of the army, comes out, uses tanks and uh, tear gas against these guys. These guys aren't communists. These guys are veterans, okay? The only disruption for them is 
At one time, some communist organizer handing out leaflets and the vets are going to beat the crap out of them. The police have to say. Okay. So everybody knows this. So, and, and this is horrible. This is 1932. Every textbook says, you know, one of the just classic disasters that leads to Hoover losing. Little known fact. They march again on FDR. Nobody knows about this. Okay. They march again on FDR. FDR looks out and he says, these guys aren't a threat. These are veterans. These are nice guys. He sends out Eleanor with a Red Cross armband and donuts to sit around and sing Kumbaya with them around the damn campfire. You know what? They don't get a dime from FDR either, but he finesses it. That's a really good politician, all right? There are people who are good politicians who know how to play the game well. Um, Lyndon Johnson could be a son of a bitch, but he was a good politician and got civil rights passed. Um, and Al personified that. He was fundamentally decent and he was fundamentally smart in his own arena. In his own arena. Um, this has just been been fascinating. So, when when you speak to to students and young people, um, any message? I mean, obviously, you you you've said a, a number of things in terms of prejudice and, and that. Any particular message that you try to convey to them through the work on Al Smith? Well, it's just what I said that. Um, When I got out of grad school, um, I couldn't get a job as an academic. I know this has never happened before with a history degree, not being able to get a job. Never happened before. Anyway, so I managed to get a job working as a research specialist for the Chicago Urban League, uh, which is the largest civil rights organization in Chicago, at a time when it was the most segregated large city in the country. And I had a real epiphany. Um, I grew up in the Bronx where we all did ethnic humor. I can tell you ugly jokes about just about every group on the sun. We all know. And while I was dealing with civil rights with the African-American community, I, I realized something. If you're going to be opposed to prejudice, you're going to be opposed to prejudice. Um, not just against this group. Um, every group. Uh, it's wrong. It's just wrong. And all those jokes were sour in my mouth, and I don't repeat them. Um, it, it, that, that prejudice, demeaning people is just wrong. It just is. So there's, um, I, I don't like jokes against any group, including, um, you know, I, I've seen um, feminists who really put down men more than I'd like, um, and God knows I'm a supporter of, of their advocacy very strongly. Um, no, it's just not good. It's just so not good. On, 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 on the report card as a professor, now you have to give a grade to the United States of America in 2021 as opposed to 1928. 1928, very poor grade when it comes to this issue. 2021, any better? Well, I mean... <laughs> We just went through one of the worst episodes in American history. Um, so uh, getting better would be, I mean, it, you've got this remarkable interlude um, that, um, uh, you know, the, the fact, I'm deliriously happy we're getting better right now, okay, okay. from what we had for the okay. last four years. Okay, okay. so uh, I'll just leave it at that. It, That's fine. No, no great. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. just... Right now, we're doing good. We're doing okay. 
This has been absolutely insightful and fascinating. Again, um, Professor Slayton's Empire Statesman, The Rise and Redemption of Al Smith. Highly recommend it. And thank you very, very much for, for your time today. Uh, we appreciate it very much. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure.